Thank you all for being here today. Appreciate it. And the sweaters look amazing. Just want to point out a few of them to you. Matt's sweater is absolutely spectacular. It's <laughs> way above and beyond. Thomas's is great. There's a bunch of them. Looks good, you guys. I uh, love to get in the spirit of Christmas. I like to um, to experience all there is to experience. I love the snow and then sunshine three seconds later. Uh, it's just awesome to live in Colorado. Um, it's awesome to be a Christian. And uh, because of the fact that all of us in this room are independently wealthy, uh, the sermon today probably won't apply to anyone. We are going to be talking about serving God in the workplace. How many of you have ever had a job in your life? You have? I thought we were just all sitting around picking our nose all the time. 1 Timothy chapter 6, we start in the first two verses of 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to just kind of pound through these two verses this morning. Um, it's, it's one that, it's a passage of scripture that oftentimes uh, just gets, uh, that's not for us. That was for them back then. But I think it's for us. So I want us to look at this passage of scripture and then we're going to pull some principles out of it. Um, I'd love to just preach Christmas sermons after Christmas sermons as soon as Thanksgiving is over. But um, I just, I get bored with Christmas sermons over and over again. So we're going to talk about 1 Timothy. So let's find 1 Timothy chapter 6. I believe I put it on the screen uh, or put it in the PowerPoint. Um, but I'd like you to find it in your Bible. Find it in your Bibles, find it on your, on your tablets, find it in your phone, whatever you're going to look up. Um, there's a couple of words I want you to notice. Um, a couple of words and uh, some, a couple of things that we're going to highlight. But I want you to look at it with me in your Bibles. 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're just going to read verse 1 and 2. I started to, um, every once in a while, I have everyone stand while we read the scripture. I really like the standing while we read the scripture. And I haven't heard anyone complain about it. And so I'm going to have a stand as we read this passage of scripture. I don't remember who it was. Was it Daryl? It always just stuck with me. I don't know if I'm going to make Daryl roll over in his grave by imitating him or not, but uh, I like giving God's word honor as we read it. 1 Timothy chapter 6, let's read verse 1 and 2. All, oh, I'm reading out of NLT. Oh, that's the same that's up there. Duh, I put it up there. All slaves should show full respect for their masters so they will not bring shame on the name of God and his teaching. If the masters are believers, that is no excuse for being disrespectful. Those slaves should work all the harder because their efforts are helpful or helping other believers who are well-loved. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Isn't that a beautiful passage of scripture? Oh, that doesn't apply to me. It does. We'll get there. Let's look to God in word of prayer. God, thank you so much. For giving us passages of scripture that we can dive into and we can learn to learn from and we can um, apply our lives to. God, I pray that as we apply these principles and these concepts to our life that we will be 
different people when we leave here today. We're not here to just to just celebrate goofy Christmas sweaters. God, we're here to learn. We're here to change. We're here to become better people. God, help us to do just that this morning. God, give us your spirit. Send your spirit among us to work on our hearts and minds to change us into becoming what we need to be. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Maybe see you. I want you to look at that first verse or that first word in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Starting in verse 1, it says all. Highlight, circle, underline the word all. Notice that no slave was exempt from this. All of us are, this applies to every single one of us. Roman slavery was very different than the slavery that we experience early on in this country's history. In Roman times, it had nothing to do with the color of your skin. Much of much the times, uh, slaves were treated actually quite well. Everyone could be a slave at some time in their life, at any time during their life. Some would choose to be a slave. Sometimes they would choose to be a slave to pay off a debt. Ultimately, you would rather be a Roman citizen than a slave. But a person could become a slave in many different, in many different, for very various reasons and for in various ways. They would become a slave. Even being sold by their parents. Hmm, sounds like a good idea, right? No, I don't think that's good. You could make them a slave at home. No, I'm just kidding that too. There were, may have been battles. There may have been wars lost. Slaves were a result of the surrender at times. Some scholars say that one-third to one-half of the Roman Empire, their population were slaves. One-third to one-half. That's a lot of slaves. Therefore, passages like this were very applicable in times like those. Radical Christianity, however, took slavery much differently. The Jewish mindset, the Roman mindset, were much different than the frame of mind in which the Christians handled slavery. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 through 29 with me. It says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And this is the one that caught them by surprise. Verse 28. Let's read 27 first. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ. Like putting on new clothes. Not like an ugly Christmas sweater. Verse 28. This is the one that caught them by surprise. There is no longer Jew or Gentile. (gasps) What? Slave or free. What? You got to be kidding me. Who is Paul to write this stuff to the Galatian church? No way. Male or female? What? This was not taken lightly. The prejudices were extreme back then. Jew or Gentile was a big deal. Slave or free was over half the population was a slave. This was a crazy idea. Male or female was a big distinction in honor back in the day and age. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Verse 29. And now that you belong to Christ, you are to be true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. They shared the same advantages of being a Christian, and it was shocking to them. This way of thinking was radical and took the world not by storm, but by equal care and concern for each other. No matter who you were, If you were clothed with Christ, you were a Christian. You were considered a brother or a sister in Christ. 
They didn't denounce the Roman Empire and rally and fight politically. They didn't march and protest to end slavery. They lived a life of true Christianity. And naturally, slavery almost completely became extinct in almost between two and three hundred years. Christians changed history by the way they lived. They lived a life of true of a true Christian. Just by living God's way, everything changed and was turned upside down. Slaves worked diligently and with purpose. Slave owners were, were seeing their slaves as brothers and sisters in Christ. So eventually, there was not only equality, but a real sense of unity. How does this passage apply to us today? What principles can we pull from this passage and apply to our lives? Many times in our lives, we find ourselves working for someone. Not many of us are on the top of the corporate ladder. There's not very many of us that don't have anyone to answer to. Raise your hand if you have a boss or a supervisor of some kind. Most of us, right? There may be some of us that have that leadership role, that have that role of, of, of leader. So whether you're an employee or an employer, you're either a slave or a master. God's talking directly to us. Before we get to these principles, I want us to pull, I want to pull from this scripture. I want us to understand that there is no such thing as a perfect job. It's very important to understand that a perfect job probably doesn't exist. In just about any job or career we find, there are going to be things that you really don't like. There are people who are difficult to get along with. Situations are less than ideal. We think that if we get that perfect job, then at that point we can start respecting people. At that point, then we can start serving God as or serving man as we would serve God. When I get that perfect job, then I will work hard. And there's no such thing as a perfect job. All the hard work and bad conditions and situations, it doesn't make it doesn't it doesn't go away. There's no such thing as a perfect job. The other thing I want you to understand is that the reason those conditions are that way, the reason that we have to deal with dirty toilets, so to speak, in almost every job, it's all Adam's fault. Not that Adam. You can blame it on him, but it, just won't, it won't go that way. Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 17. It says, and to the man he said, since you listened to your wife, there was the problem. Uh, and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat. The ground is cursed because of you. He sinned. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will, any of you feel like you kind of tried to scratch a living from what you do this week? You kind of scratched a living? Yeah. You'll scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. <laughs> Though you will eat of its grain, by the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from the dust, and dust you will return. We live in a fallen, fallen world. There are going to be <laughs> toilets to be cleaned. There's going to be trash to be emptied. Anytime you get to that perfect job, you're going to realize that there's something about that job that, uh, that no one told you about. Have you ever had those moments of, oh, nobody told me this was part of my job. Every one of them are there. 
As a believer, we realize the world is a fallen world. It's dreadful, sinful, and therefore in need of a Savior. But we forget that even though we have accepted Jesus' redemptive sacrifice, we still live in a fallen world. There are consequences to that fallen world, and they still exist. And even though we claim to be friends of God, reconciliation has taken place, but we are still on this earth. This keeps heaven as something to look forward to. Some days more than others, right? Most of our lives, no matter what the job we find ourselves in, we have to find a way to make the most of it. We have to find a way, a way to make the less than perfect as good as it can be. So let's dig out some of this passage. If you're ready. Are you ready? Okay. If your boss is a jerk, we've got to respect and obey anyway. That's what it says. First Timothy 6.1 says, All who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of full respect, so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Respect and obey anyway. Because why? Because it makes God look good. Life isn't all about us. We'll often have bad days. How many of you have had just something out of the ordinary, extraordinary, amazing happen to you? Can you think back of, about a time when it was like, oh man, this is the greatest day of my life. You ever had those days? Or maybe it's just a few minutes here or there. Did you ever go to the newspaper or did you ever go to the leading news reporter and see that your name was at the top of that list as something happened great to you today? Did anybody find that? It doesn't happen, does it? But oftentimes we think it should. If everybody knew what happened today, they could rejoice with me. The opposite is also true. Times when we aren't having a good day or month or year or even life, we think everyone should be thinking about us. We think, you know what? I wonder if they're thinking about me today because I'm, I'm, really, uh, I'm really working hard today. I'm really dealing with some serious problems today. I wonder if everybody's thinking about me. Let me tell you, they're probably not. The reason we continue on, the reason we work hard is because it makes God look good. We have a tendency to think the world revolves around us. We think we're at the center of the universe. We must understand that God's reputation is more important than our rights. God's reputation is more important than our rights. People decide what they think of God based on what they think of us. Did you hear me? People decide what they think of God based on what they think of us. If people know that I'm a Christian and I'm showing up to work with a bad attitude, showing up late, complaining all the time, talking about others behind their back, and maybe I'm, or, or maybe I'm the other side, and maybe I'm the holier than thou and come off as, as judgmental, is it making God look good? What happens is people begin to paint Jesus Christ with the same brush and palette that they're painting us, that they see in us. They begin to think that if all Christians act like this, then God must be that way also, a good boss is a little easier to treat in a good way, right? But it's the bad ones that make it difficult. The jerk boss needs God too. He needs to see God in us also. 
We don't think about the facts. Even the worst boss needs to know Jesus. When we are put in a spot, we think our rights are more important than God's reputation. And that bad spot, it's not worth it. It's not worth ruining God's reputation over the bad spot that we're in. Titus chapter 2 and verse 9 says, Slaves must always obey their masters and do their best to please them. They must not talk back or steal, but must show themselves to be entirely trustworthy and good. Then they will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive in every way. Employees must always obey their, their employers, their boss, even if their boss is a jerk. And do our best to please them. 2 Corinthians 5.20, very similar. It says, so we have been sent to speak for Christ. It is as if God is calling to you through us. We speak for Christ when we beg you to be at peace with God. When you show up and act like a Christian on the job, it shows your boss who Christ Jesus is. It makes God look good when we honor the boss who is a jerk. Respect and obey your boss when he's a jerk or she's a jerk because it keeps you out of trouble. Proverbs 16 and verse 14, it says, An angry king can put someone to death, so a wise person will try to make him happy. Well, duh. Isn't that pretty obvious? Well, some people don't think so. You call your boss your boss for a reason. They have some authority to dish out. Raises or consequences. It's probably a good idea to respect and obey them. A wise person will figure out whether the boss is good or bad, how to respond to that boss in such a way to make life tolerable and bring about a better situation. Think back to the last time that you were pulled over by a police officer with an apparent excessive speed. Has it ever happened to you? You pray that it's Matt with his goofy sweater on. Because if he pulls you over with his goofy sweater on, he's probably not on duty. I don't know, you might wear that tomorrow. Undercover, there you go. <laughs> Think about the last time you were pulled over, though. Think about it. How many of you were thinking, oh, good, I really needed to slow down? Were any of you thinking that? How many of you are really happy to see the guy? Mm-hmm. How many of you are kind of irritated by the whole thing? You were probably in a hurry to begin with. And you know what? That guy just goes back there in his car and he just sits there. He's just like, who just not even doing anything. He just sits there. He's probably eating donuts or something. And I have proof. Have you ever ridden wrong with Matt? Yeah, he just comes back and just chit-chat for a little bit. No, there was a reason the time we chit-chat. We were waiting for her to get her insurance pulled up on her phone. Or him. I think it was a him in that situation. There are times when it's just not all that much fun, right? We get irritated. We think, well, why me? I wasn't really going that fast. You know, great. There goes my insurance rates. But most wise people will, to some degree, turn on some sort of charm by the time the officer makes it to the window, won't you? Well, hello there, officer. What seems to be the problem? Why do we do that? I'm sure Matt can tell you about how many times these real jerks, when he gets to the window and they're just a real jerk. They're just a complete piece of work. 
They don't always turn on the charm. How does a bad attitude work in those situations? Not real smart, right? The guy's got a gun, and he has a whole stack of, of, of tickets that he can write you. And if you ever do a ride-along with Matt, he just opens his little book, and he just goes down the list. Yep, she was doing that, she was doing that, she was doing that, and she was doing that. And he just starts writing them up. And then he has this nifty little thing where he calculates. Punches it in, and it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Whoa. Wow. $365 ticket? Whoa, that's going to ruin Christmas. Yeah, well, should have thought of that before they were doing 89 and a 65. With, without having a, what was it? Without having a, oh, he was underage. He was 16, he was a 15-year-old driver without a 21-year-old in the car. <gasps> Yikes. I won't mention any names so we don't get in trouble. <laughs> Not real smart to treat the officer poorly. Only a fool riles a rhino. Not calling you a rhino, Matt. <laughs> Paul was telling Timothy to have, slave, to, to, to have the slave be wise in the way they treat those in authority. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter which situation you're in. If you're wise, you will obey and respect your boss. Because sometimes it will keep you out of trouble. If we find ourselves in a subordinate place, which oftentimes we do, we can't get out of, save your neck and treat your boss with respect and obey. Proverbs 20 and verse 2, it says, A king's wrath strikes terror like a roar of a lion. Those who anger him forfeit their lives. It is the one's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. It will keep you out of trouble if you honor your supervisor or the one you work for. Third one, it's, it's the best way to get ahead. I want you to pull from your Sunday school days. Hopefully you heard the story of Daniel. Daniel was a great example. He was a model slave. He had a rough story. He has a noble character and he was kidnapped, put into slavery to work for a pagan king. He was forced into schooling it was probably, that he probably didn't agree with. He, was, he graduated top of his class in pretty much astrology of the time. His name was changed from God protects me to, in our language, would be translated probably Satan's man. How can you, can you imagine what that would have must have felt like? But yet Daniel, what did he do? He served. He served Nebuchadnezzar so well that they moved him to the top of the ranks. To the point in which he had real influence. I think we need to learn from Daniel. He went through a great deal of trouble. He dealt with, with it all in honor and respect. God looked good because of it. He didn't get killed. He was able to go ahead. He was able to move forward. This is where God puts me. I'm going to make the best of it. We need to take that same attitude. It's a very different mindset from the one we see in the world today. If you were to put yourself in this same situation, in this same scenario today, and, and you were to ask your friends and your secular counselors, they're going to tell you, well, you should stand up for yourself, and you should set healthy boundaries, and you should make sure that, that you're watching out for yourself. God tells us to follow His wisdom and not the world's. Believe it or not, going with God's will is always going to prove worthwhile and put you much further ahead. There was no one that compared to Daniel and his three friends. 
Proverbs 27, verse 18, it says, As workers, we tend a fig tree and are allowed to eat the fruit. So workers who protect their employees, employers' interests will be rewarded. It's the only way to get ahead. Honor and respect your employee, or your employer. I keep saying the wrong one. Honor and respect your boss, even if they are a jerk. Why should we honor and respect our boss if they're a jerk? It's because that's what God says to do. The most important reason is it's because that's what God says to do. Here's some similar advice. We find it in First Timothy or First Peter, rather, in chapter two. It says, "You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but, but reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased when, conscious of His will, you patiently endure unjust treatment." Of course, you, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. If that boss is cruel, then it justifies a little dishonesty, right? Here and there, and uh, on the time clock. And, and they probably won't miss a little merchandise here and there. And it probably won't matter if I complain a little with my coworkers, uh, you know, when the, when the boss walks away or when they're not looking. Uh, no. How many of you watch that? Have you ever seen episodes of, of NCIS? Have you ever watched the original version? Gibbs is the, uh, the leader of a team. For some reason, it always seems like McGee or, or Donozo is blabbing about how silly or stupid the boss is, and the boss walks up behind them. Right? It happens often. We need to treat all of our bosses the same. Good or bad, we need to honor and respect them. Here's the deal. Anytime we're given a job, it's like we've been put on assignment. God has us on assignment. If my boss is a jerk, I'm going to do whatever what everyone else does. No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't go telling them what they need to hear. We shouldn't be demanding our rights. We need to respect and honor our boss. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Honor and respect for our boss doesn't come naturally, and it's not something that the world's going to recommend. Proverbs 16, 25 says, There's a way that appears right to a man, but in in the end leads to death. Even if it seems right to fight for your own rights, God's will is different than that. God's will says, honor and respect your boss, even when they're a jerk. Because it makes God look good. It will keep you out of trouble. It's the best way to get ahead. And most importantly, it's because God tells us to do it that way. So that's, that's if your boss is a jerk. How many of you have ever had a boss that was a jerk? Kind of a jerk? Yeah. How about, how about if your boss is a believer? First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 2. Let's look at it. If your boss is a believer... find it says it says exactly what it says after I put this battery in if the masters are believers that is no excuse for being disrespectful those slaves should work all the harder 
because their efforts are helping other believers who are well loved. God sort of raises it a little. He takes it up a few notches. It's like, you know what? We need to work all the harder if our boss is a believer. We all have a tendency to say and even think, well, well, he's a Christian and he should be able to cut me a little bit of slack. Paul's telling Timothy that it should be the exact opposite, that we should work even harder and be more respectful and give more honor to that Christian brother. I have a good friend in Reno that owns a couple of businesses. He tries, he tries to hire all Christian brothers and sisters um, for, his, for his businesses. There are times when he runs into some major problems. In fact, last summer, he was telling me about one of these brothers that he hired. Kenneth's an extremely hard worker. Um, this guy that's my, my friend of mine, it, he, I don't know that I could keep up with him. And you've seen me work. I don't mess around. But I think Kenneth could give me a run for my money. He is a hard worker. And so naturally, Kenneth expects the guys that he hires from church to be hardworking, to be not slackers. Kenneth told me that he hired this guy to work and work hard every day. But what he acquired, this is this kind of the way Kenneth said it. He said, what he acquired is an employee who texts on his phone nonstop, complains about the amount of work that he's asked to do, uses every sick day allotted in the year, works around the clock with an earpiece in his ear so he can talk on the phone while working, and always has excuses why something didn't get done that is not his fault. Put Kenneth in a really bad spot. Kenneth said this young man's testimony as a Christian gives a wrong impression. If your boss is a believer, never take advantage of the relationship. I think this happens on both sides of the deal. The, the worker and the employee. I think it even happens at times when, when it's a customer and, and, and a worker scenario as well. Let me, let me kind of give you an example. Let's say John over here. John Quist, where do you go? Oh, right there. You're in the wrong spot. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's not John. John's over here. So let's say John owns a concrete company. All right? He's a business owner. He owns a concrete company. He has a couple of guys working for him, and John is contacted by Danny to come and pour a small walkway for Danny around the side of his house, all right? And, and Danny knows that John is a businessman, but he also knows that John is a Christian. So when Danny calls John, do you think Danny is going to expect a good deal on the sidewalk? Yeah. Maybe even do the labor part for free or something, right? Yeah. But then put yourself on John's side. Doesn't John expect Danny to be willing to pay a hardworking Christian brother a little extra? Maybe even a little extra pay? At least be easy to get along with and not really picky about the schedule when it gets done, right? Hmm. Smell what I'm stepping in here? On both sides, there are some taking advantage of the relationship, isn't there? I'm not saying that we can't help each other out once in a while, but we need to be careful about this type of situation. So many people have gotten burned by supposed Christians in the business world. We don't put a list together of all of the abilities of those here in the congregation. I don't want to put people in, in a bad spot. We really experienced this when we went to build a church building. The Christian con artist came out of the woodwork. 
sometimes the steel work and the concrete work and the dirt work came out of everywhere. We had supposed Christian contractors trying to charge double the going rate. Never take advantage of the relationship. If your boss is a Christian, you better work all the harder. If you're working for someone that's a believer, you should do more, not less, because of the mutual relationship with God. Someone's working for you, a laborer is worthy of their hire. Why would you pay a person who hates God more than someone who loves him? If someone wants to cut you a deal, fine. But the expectation of receiving a good deal is wrong. This is a principle Paul is trying to tell Timothy. He's trying to get Timothy to recognize. Are we getting it? I hope so. When your boss is a jerk or when your boss is a believer, we need to honor and respect them. So those are the kind of the two opposite situations. Um, but there's one other one that we haven't really talked about. How about when work just isn't working out? How about when it's just, you know, it's just not working. It's just not, it's not happening. Do you think it's the electronics in my sweater that's making this thing pop? <laughs> I could take it off. Let's try putting it on my belt. Maybe it's causing trouble. We have to ask ourselves two key questions when work isn't working out. Two key questions. Am I being asked to do anything unethical? Is there anything I'm being asked to do that doesn't line up with God's will? How many of you have been asked to do something unethical or shady in the workplace? Raise your hand. Raise them up high so everybody can see. You ever been asked to do something that you just are, you think is kind of shady, it's a little bit unethical? It happens. If I'm being asked to do something unethical, what should I do? If yes, we need to obey God, not man. And we need to accept the consequences. We need to obey God, not man, and accept the consequences. It's hard to see the immediate reward when you're doing the right thing. Because oftentimes that consequence could mean you lose your job or you get demoted. But the reward for doing what's right may come later. May come in a different lifetime even. Think about Daniel. We talked about the early part of his life. We didn't really talk about the last part of his life. Daniel got caught praying, right? Is that a good thing? Yeah. He was told to stop praying. You think he, he needed to do that? Uh, not Daniel. Daniel kept praying. Did that earn him a promotion? Uh, no. I wouldn't call Lion's Den a promotion. Just, just saying. He kept on praying and earned himself a trip to the Lion's Den. There was no promotion. First Timothy, or 2 Timothy 3 and verse 12 says, Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We have to learn that the lions may not always be full. When Daniel hit the floor, the lions were full. We're not told why. God closed their mouth. The lions were full, but they might not eat. They might not eat Daniel, but you know what? We might get eaten. There may be two or three of us that have to fall into that pit before the third one gets a free ride. There's going to be some times that we have to deal with the consequences. If you're not being asked to do anything unethical, then obey the boss. If it's not unethical, then obey the boss, even if it's stupid. Now move this pile of stuff over there. Now move that pile back over there. Now move that pile back over there. Just keep doing it because that's what the boss told you to do. 
obviously we don't need to be complete blind idiots. We can help them understand how to do it in a more efficient way, but we need to do it in a respectful way. So if you're not being asked to do anything unethical, better stick with it. If you are, obey God and deal with the consequences. Second question is if, you're, if, if work isn't working out, the next question is simply, can I quit? And if the answer is yes, then move on. Don't complain about it, just move on. You were looking for that job when you found it, right? And you can find another one. If you need to quit, move on. But if you can't quit, whenever you ever come to somebody and say, oh, I just hate my job, this is such a bummer. I just can't stand it. Well, then quit. Well, I can't quit. Why? Why can't you quit? Well, because they, they give me insurance and they pay my bills and they take care of this and they take care of that. And, well, it sounds to me like you have the best job in the world if they take care of all of that stuff. So what are we complaining about? I think we need to be writing a letter to the boss and telling them thank you rather than complaining and wanting to quit. If you can't quit, then make the most of it. If you can't quit, you must have the best possible job for you at the moment. So make the best of it. Change your attitude. Work hard at changing your attitude. And maybe send the boss a thank you note. But here's our goal. Everyone should want to hire a Christian. Every employer in town should be saying, you know what, I'd like to have one of them Christian people work for me. If we can follow these simple work-life habits and principles, we, change, we can change the culture around us. As we move up the corporate ladder, as we move up the food chain, our influence will climb with us and we'll be able to make an impact on everyone around us. Boss, fellow employees, it, it doesn't matter. We don't change our culture by whining and protesting. We change our culture by infiltrating our world with godly living. That's the way it's going to get done. This First Timothy passage, the 6 verse 1 and 2, has always stood out to me. I was like, I don't know about that. But you know what? I think it's legit. I think we need to think about it and work on it and um, change the things in our lives that aren't quite measuring up to what God's word says. Thank you for your attention this morning. And I hope that there's been some things that 